Psalm 59. I want you to notice again the word this morning, Psalm 59, and especially the word trouble. Verse 16 says, But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing of thy mercy in the morning. We preached on that text some years ago, mercy in the morning. And then he says this, For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Now, it is interesting to say the least that the Hebrew word used all 41 times in the Psalms. The Hebrew word here is tsar. It's a word in Hebrew that literally means narrow or tight, as in a tight or a crowded place. In other words, the Jews took a word for confinement or tightness, and they used it figuratively, if you will, for this whole idea of trouble. And the reason is pretty simple, pretty obvious. Trouble, as it is expressed in several texts in the Psalms, is something that comes into our lives or something that we bring into our own lives that closes us in. Trouble robs us of joy, options, freedom, breathing room. The expression between, I'm between a rock and a hard place, states precisely what this Hebrew word, the original word, actually means. And of course, what's confining or tightening or narrow about trouble is that if it's big enough trouble, it's all you can think about. You go to sleep with trouble. You wake up with trouble. You go to work in trouble. Someone says to you, let's go fishing tomorrow or let's go to a ball game. Let's let's go out to dinner. And as much as you would like to do that, you know that you can't with any measure of joy because of this trouble. Trouble forces you into a narrow or a tight place. So that it becomes the entire focus of your life and thus it robs you of all your freedoms and your opportunities. One of the sad ironies of young people through the years that I've gotten to work with most of my life really who who don't want to obey rules or don't want to listen to authority is that in their quest for freedom, in their quest to get away, they get into more and more trouble. Trouble with drugs and trouble with finances, trouble with a pregnancy, trouble with society's laws. And with more and more trouble, their lives, instead of freedom, actually their lives become narrower and narrower and tighter and tighter and harder and harder. Until the day comes when they virtually have no freedom, no breathing room, and no options. Trouble can actually put you in an emergency room or a jail cell or a coffin. However, not always. Not all trouble is the result of rebellion or foolishness. And not all trouble robs us of our freedom or our joy. Because sometimes when trouble is approached biblically and with faith, it is simply a tight place that makes us stronger and yes, happier to the glory of God. Sometimes the day of trouble becomes the day of grace. And so it is. I hope you listen very carefully this morning. I want to speak on the subject, a tight place. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word, as always. And oh, how powerful is this reminder from David throughout all of the Psalms and your word, the whole counsel of God. How wonderful is your counsel. On this, mesh, on this issue and this subject of trouble, life's troubles. There is somebody here, Lord, and you know them, 
who needs this truth. And I don't know who they are, but I know you know them, and I know you've led me to this for them and others, and I pray they will hear your word, and that I will in Jesus' name. Amen. Four things I want us to consider this morning in light of the true measure and the true nature of life's troubles. After all, that's what the Bible is for. The Bible reveals to us the truth, the absolute truth about all of life's issues that the world of philosophy and the world of religion, even science and education and psychology, only guesses or surmises or oftentimes just let out lies about. Four things in the Bible. The first one you'll notice is that number one, troubles are inevitable. I want you to notice how the king of Israel personalizes his trouble. Verse 16. Last line says, For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Now, of course, you would think, folks, that a king, all of his power, all of his resources, so insulated from the world, you would think that this man as a king wouldn't have a whole lot of troubles. But the truth is, not only did David find himself in trouble, he fully expected it. He always expected that he might have trouble. What time I am afraid, David said, I will trust in thee. In Psalm 20 and verse 1, he says, The Lord help thee in the day, in the day, when that day of trouble comes. If you look at the introduction to this psalm, which is remarkable, just before verse 1, it says to the chief musician, Alcacheth, a mictum of David, a teaching psalm. That's what that means. When, here it is, when Saul sent and they watched the house to kill him. How would you like to have that trouble? When was the last time the government sent people to watch your house so they could kill you? David knew this. He knew what all of us should know, even for a man who was the anointed of God. Trouble's inevitable. For David, sometimes in a psalm, you'll read it and you'll notice he is writing and he's praying while he's in trouble the cave of Adullam the palace of Nathan it was his fault the city of Ziklag and sometimes David cries out from the very presence of that trouble other times when he's not in immediate trouble he still predicts it he knows that troubles are undeniable inescapable and universal meaning that there's always going to be a certain amount of trouble for no other reason than just simply living in this world. It was Job who said man is of few days and full of trouble. Think about that metric. Think about his math. We only live a few days, but we have a lot of trouble. Man is of few days and full of trouble. Well, who in this room is going to deny that? People have heart trouble, financial troubles, troubled marriages, times of trouble, double trouble. Trouble with tribbles? That one's back there for those guys. <laughs> I remember as a boy, whenever I'd leave the house, my mom would say, Jimmy, stay out of trouble. And when I got home, my dad would say, here comes trouble. <laughs> and when I was at school, the teacher would say, your middle name is trouble. When I was at 12, 12 years old, a song came out called Bridge Over Troubled Waters, and my Aunt Minnie said, Jimmy, you're the water. <laughs> It's not just me, because all of us in this room have been in and out of trouble, whether it's of your own doing or not. Job also said this in Job 5 and verse 7. 
He said, man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. What did he mean? You've seen a campfire in those days, in Job's days. Campfires were every night, every day. And you would sit there and watch them. Heat rises and the sparks would go up with the heat. It's natural. It's normal. It happens every single time. And Job said, that's why trouble is. It's natural. It's normal. You may remember Murphy's Law. Air Force Captain Edward Murphy was an engineer for the Air Force, and he was conducting these experiments on human deceleration tolerances in the 1940s. But unfortunately, his technician installed the motion sensors the wrong way, and so it led to his very, to his very famous quote. He said, he said, if there's a wrong way to do something, that sergeant will find it. It was later revised to, if something can go wrong, it will. Murphy's Law. As one man put it, if something can't go wrong, it will anyway. And poor Mr. Murphy, through all these years, he ha- he's had scores of other so-called laws attached to his name that he never wrote. Murphy's Law number 31 says, matter will be damaged in direct proportion to its value. In other words, the chance of buttered bread falling to the ground butterside down is in direct proportion to the value of the carpet that's on the ground. That's one of his laws. Murphy's Law number 14, you will never find a lost article until you've finally replaced it. Oh man, that's so true. If everything is going well, you've obviously overlooked something, and it goes on and on. I remember I saw a bumper sticker once that said, Murphy was an optimist. Man, somebody hurt that guy. I can tell you that right now. But it's who troubles. And as David says, the day of trouble will most certainly come. Those of you who follow golf, you understand that there are, all over every golf course, there are these designated things called hazards. And they're like rivers and they're lakes and creeks. There's bunkers filled with sand. Those are hazards. They're called sand traps. What's a trap? It's a place that narrows your options, puts you in a tight place. They even put hazards on on putt-putt courses, little windmills and evil clowns and things like that. Hazards are basically trouble. And you expect it. They put them there. I was playing golf with Barry one time over here and he was standing on the tee getting ready to hit his drive. And off in the distance, there was this mother rabbit talking to her little baby bunnies. You could tell the mother was talking to them, saying, Now, kids, this is a fairway. Stay here and you'll be safe. (laughs) But, you know, golf course architects put hazards. They place them all over the course. It's expected. And in life, you ought to expect trouble. Because it's a broken world, and therefore it's inevitable. The second thing I want you to notice, number two, is that trouble is imputable. Now, folks, please don't miss this critical Bible truth. In our text, I want you to look again, verse 9. It says, because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. And he's going to mention that defense and strength again, but he says, because of his strength. Verse 16, I will sing of the power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble unto thee. O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy, my strength, my refuge, my mercy. 
You see, here, here it is. You remember when Peter said to those persecuted believers, casting all your care, the word is trouble, all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know what that is? That's imputation. That is putting your cares on Christ. And why does God want us to do that? Why does Christ want us? And why can we do that? Because, folks, he can handle it. Because his power and his mercy are equal to the task and because he cares. He promises you can ca- he promises to be there. On the screen, you'll notice Psalm 46. It says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. David said, a very present help in trouble. Well, folks, no wonder we can cast our cares upon him. He's right here. You can't cast your cares upon him if he's nowhere near you, but he's right here. I was thinking about titling this message, God's in trouble. Because the literal meaning, God's Himself, God is never troubled, but He's in our troubles. God was not in trouble when Joseph was thrown into jail, but the, the Bible says the Lord was with him. He was in Joseph's troubles. God wasn't in trouble when those three Hebrew children were thrown into that fiery furnace, but He was in their trouble. And the Lord Jesus was not in trouble when a storm came up in the Sea of Galilee. And at any moment, he could say, peace, be still. Jesus was a very present help in their trouble. So that at any moment, they could, if they had the faith, they could cast their cares upon him. I was reading some time ago about an 18th century preacher. He was afflicted with a disease almost all of his life, and he died at just 38 years of age. His final words were found in his journal where he wrote this. My heart beats every day stronger and stronger for his glory. Pain is no cause. Death is no dissolution. My prayers are now all converted into praise. He is truly a very present help in time of trouble. That preacher was Augustus' top lady who wrote the hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. God was there. He testified to it till he, till he was called home. God was there in the midst of all of his troubles. I want to remind you what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. We are, he said, and again, another man anointed, called an apostle. We are troubled on every side. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Troubled on every side, but not forsaken. Trouble's inedible. Trouble is imputable. The third thing I want you to notice, number three, is trouble is profitable. Or should I say, it is profitable to those who love God. Chapter 59 again, would you look at with me if you would at verse 16 again. But I will sing of thy power. I will sing of thy power. I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Why is he going to sing? He says why he's going to sing. He says why he's going to praise God. 
He says, the reason is, you've been my help in my trouble. Unto thee, verse 17, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Now think about that, folks. David is speaking here not about trouble in prospect at this point. Now he's talking about trouble in retrospect. He's talking about when he looks in the rearview mirror of trouble, trouble that's now behind him, and here's what he's doing. He's singing songs. And as you, you read with Andy a few moments ago, he's singing loudly. I will sing aloud of thy mercy. On your screen, you'll notice Psalm 50. Verse 15 says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee. Okay, that's... that's the part we've been preaching on, but what's the last part say? And thou shalt glorify me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you. And then you'll glorify me. Do you know that every single time a child of God is found in the day of trouble, it becomes an opportunity for God to receive glory? Every single time. In fact, verse 15 right there outlines three things. Number one, call on me in the day of trouble. Number two, I will deliver you. And then number three, you will glorify me. I, will make, make, I was making a visit a few years ago. And I saw something at this visit in this people's yard I hadn't seen in a while, since I was a kid, really. The people I was visiting with had a couple of banty roosters. And I know some of you in this room are starting to buy chickens and raise chickens and so forth. A banty rooster is like this little obnoxious rooster. Gets all puffed up, loud, as if it's trying to compensate for its small stature. The little roosters are loud and they were proud and I was watching them and they were kind of annoying. And when I saw them, I was reminded of a story that Vance Habner told from his own childhood. Vance Haven was talking about the difference between a hen, a mother hen, and a banty rooster. He was born in 1901 in Hickory, North Carolina. Grew up on a farm, a little place called Jugtown. One of the great, great preachers of the last generation. And Brother Havner says he was, he was a, a little boy and there was a brush fire. It got out of control and it burned. It charred his entire family farm. And among all of the scenes of death and destruction, he said, was this little dead mother hen next to a tree blackened by the fire. And when the mother hen was moved, out ran four little baby chicks, alive, unharmed, under its mother's wings. And he said, you know, banty roosters may have been loud and proud, but when the storm came, it was the mother hen that got all the attention and all the admiration. And in context to our text, all of the glory. You'll look on the screen, you'll notice a familiar text in Psalm 91. It says in verse 4 this, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And then he says this in verse 15, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and will deliver him and honor him. Understand something, beloved. It is not true that all of your troubles were designed or ordained or deployed by God. God doesn't have to ordain all of our troubles. However, it is true. That when trouble comes and you call upon God and then you trust in God and He strengthens you in the midst of that trouble, you inevitably will give Him the praise and the glory. You know, people say, I don't think you should do that. I don't think it's proper to just call upon God when you're in trouble. 
I just don't think that you should tell people that, that, that if they find themselves in trouble, just call on God. You know, I'm in trouble. Now it's time to pray. I don't think God wants me to do that. Well, maybe you should let God speak for Himself. Because He says, call upon Me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify Me. And if you have any doubt whatsoever that that applies universally, I want you to go home today and I want you to read Psalm 107. And while you're reading Psalm 107, which recounts Israel's constant wandering and failure over and over again, it lists their failure and their failure and their failure. But guess what it says after every single one of those failures? Find how many times you'll see this one repeated phrase. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. Every time they messed up, they found themselves in trouble. If they cried out to God, God said, I delivered them from their trouble. In other words, look, God wants you. He wants you to call on him. And yes, he wants you to call on him in the day of trouble. And in part because that is when God can show mercy and strength, and receives glory. Psalm 147, 11, For thy name's sake, bring me out of trouble. I mean, what would you have said to the thief on the cross in his day of trouble? Oh, now you come. Now you're going to call on my name. Remember me when I go to paradise. You're going to get yourself in trouble, and now you're going to have a deathbed conversion. It's exactly what he had. How about the prodigal son? What would you have said to him in his day of trouble? Too late. Nope. You had your chance, boy. Took all that money, went down there, lived it up. No, no. That's not what God says. And that is a reason that trouble can glorify him. Folks, the thief was not glorified on that cross, but the Lord Jesus was. The prodigal wasn't glorified in the parable, but the father was. The Israelites were not glorified in the wilderness by God's mercy and long-suffering, but Jehovah was. And so it is that there's always a greater purpose for all of our troubles. I read once an intriguing book on sports history. These iconic moments. Somebody in the church here bought it for me. Iconic moments in television sports. And one of those is this very famous scene where Carlton Fisk is jumping up and down in the 1975 World Series trying to coax his, his uh, home run to stay fair. How many of you remember that, that? You've seen that. He's doing this, doing this. Yeah, it's one of the iconic moments in sports. That close-up, that close-up on NBC would never have happened or been recorded had the cameraman been doing his job. Because his job is always, always to follow the long ball all the way over the fence at Fenway Park. That's his responsibility. But just before he hit the ball, a rat in the cameraman's perch scurried between his legs. And it stopped right in front of him. And the guy was so spooky, he froze. And he left the camera on home plate. So that what he thought was a horrible moment, the end of his career... The worst thing that ever happened actually became his greatest moment. Sometimes our biggest troubles, sometimes the worst thing that we think is going to kill us, hurt us, 
hold us back. God turns it for good. In fact, all things work together for good to them that love God. That brings us to a final truth. We said, number one, trouble's inevitable. Number two, it's imputable. Number three, it's profitable or can be. But can we just remember this morning that number four, trouble is temporal? It says again in our text, chapter 59, verse 16, But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense. Why in the morning? Why is he going to sing out loud, really loud, in the morning when the sun comes up? Well, because it's a brand new day, thus God delivered him from his troubles that night. He went through the trouble, he went through the darkness, and in the morning, he made it through. Was he disheveled? I'm sure. Tired? Yes. He made it through, and beloved, it is a reminder that yes, there is a deliverance coming. Some glorious morning, sorrow will cease. Some glorious morning, all will be peace. Heartaches all ended, school days all done. Heaven will open and Jesus will come. Some golden bread, except Pastor, my troubles are, are lifelong. Yes, they're lifelong. They're not eternal. Some golden daybreak. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When thou passest through the waters. Remember, this, remember the story about Ben and the little boy going through the tunnel? He said, we're going through the tunnel, Dad, not to the tunnel. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. When thou passest through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. This is what God always does, ultimately in eternity, with all of our troubles. He brings us not to them, but through them. I remember in Knoxville, many years ago, part of my job as assistant pastor was to take my pastor's radio sermons. He was a very, very well-known radio preacher in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and the time I was there in the 80s. And I had to take those sermons. He would, he would record them, a little cassette recorder in his office. And my job was to take them in the car and drive down to Sweetwater, Tennessee, and personally hand those cassettes to Mrs. Basil Mull of the Mull Singing Convention. Some of you Southerners may remember that show. It was about an hour drive. And if the traffic was bad on I-75, on I it could be a little more. And it was always against a deadline. But Dr. Bob insisted those things had to be there at 9 a.m. Make sure. Get them there. It's one job, Jim. One Monday morning on that same drive, I ran into a huge traffic jam just outside of Lenore City. It was a standstill. It was a standstill because this dense fog settled over the interstate and there was a massive pileup of cars and literally dozens of crashes and injuries. And I was sitting there for a long time. And, you know, AM radio in those days, everything was AM radio. And they would come on. And I was listening to the Basil uh, singing convention and so forth. And, and after sitting there, you couldn't see. You literally couldn't see past 10 yards. It was a dense fog. A trooper came by, and he met, helped us make U-turns. That's all we could do, just U-turn and go back to Knoxville. And I have these cassettes that he's going to play at 10 a.m., well, they're going to play. So I didn't make the deadline, frustrated because I didn't get to do my job, which I wanted to do, worried about what Dr. Bob 
Bevington was going to say to me, I inched my way back to Knoxville, and with every inch, I started counting all my troubles. Because, you know, you have a lot of time to think when you can't move fast or far. All the troubles I endured that week, it was a tough time in the ministry. I was making, Louise and I were making $12,000 a year. Two big financial hits that week. I was wondering what I was going to do. So I was counting my troubles. You know, as the song says, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you're discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many troubles. Name them one by one. <laughs> and it won't surprise you that life is no fun. That's, that was my hymn all the way. <laughs> so I'm counting my troubles in this barely moving traffic. And the meteorologist, some guy finally comes over the radio and he starts talking about the fog and the crashes and he explains fog. And he said that according to the Bureau of Standards or whatever in Washington, a dense fog that covers seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet is composed of less than one cup of water. Cup of water, he said, is divided into about 60 billion tiny droplets. Those teeny tiny little droplets settle over a town or a highway and they can blot out almost everything, everything out of sight. And I'm listening to that. And I thought about that drive from Knoxville to Sweetwater. Because I got to do that every Monday for four years. It's really one of the prettiest drives ever. Just rolling hills, these old silos, Sea Rock City signs everywhere, as you know. All of that was still there. I just couldn't see it. All that beauty, all that reminder for one cup of water. And I thought to myself, you know, that's what Satan wants to do with all of our troubles. He wants to take a cup of troubles and magnify it until we're in a fog, a completely clouded. Our vision is gone. Our vision is gone to the glory and the promises of God. So I started counting my blessings, beginning with I'm not in the pileup. I didn't crash. I'm not paralyzed. And I got to tell you, by the time, because you had a lot of time now to count my blessings. And by the time I got back to the office, I wasn't in a cloud anymore. I was on a cloud, cloud nine. I was just grateful. And I walked into Brother Bob's study, knocked on his door, and he invited me in. I had the sermon tapes, and I said, didn't make it, fog. He said, you're awful happy about it. I said, uh, I'm sorry, didn't make it, fog. Satan magnifies our troubles. Jesus said to his sad, heartbroken disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Why? You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. In other words, troubles will one day be over. There is an expiration date on every single trouble that we as God's people have. One day, they'll be gone. And one day, we'll never be in a tight place again. I don't know what your trouble is. I don't know what troubles you found yourself in. And you know, it could be that other people have put you into trouble. That happens. Saints suffered. Our forefathers in the faith were thrown to lions because of other people. It could be trouble that you've gotten yourself into, just like the Israelites. And God still said to them, in the day they called to me, I delivered them from all their troubles. Glorify God in your trouble. Glorify God when he delivers you from your troubles. 
And some of you in this room, you're like the thief on the cross. You may be put into trouble. That very trouble, as the old saying goes, sometimes God has to put you on your back to get you to look up. That very trouble you're in may be the thing that gets you to finally call on Jesus Christ like that thief did as your Lord and Savior. So that today is the day of salvation for you. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for just a moment. You know, much of a Christian's life and testimony, much of the power of his life, revolves in and around the trouble he gets into. Because because that's when God can show Himself mighty. And that's when you can glorify God. That's when people can see your patience and faith. Because, you know, it's easy to be faithful when you're on the mountain. But what about when you're in the valley, when you're in the midst of troubles? Are you still faithful? Pastor Blaylock, I'm here today and I'm saved by the grace of God, but I needed this reminder today. I needed this text. The Lord has spoken to my heart about something. As a Christian, I'm saved, but I needed these words today. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building? And God bless you, and God bless you. I say this at funerals, but it's not just for funerals. The Scripture says of the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart. He's close to you. He said, Pastor, I don't see him. I don't feel him. Trust him. Trust him. He's a very present help in time of your trouble. Pastor Blaylock, you mentioned those who might not be saved, those whose names perhaps are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That could be me. Yeah, maybe you're in some trouble right now. and God will use that to bring you to the cross, to Christ, to Jesus, to salvation. If you're not sure you're saved today, could we just pray for you? I won't embarrass you or come to you, but if you're not sure that you're saved, you say, Pastor Blaylock, that's me. Would you raise your hand? with heads bowed, eyes closed. Hold it up there really high till we see it. Am I right in the back? Amen. Anybody else? I'm not sure about my salvation. Hold it up until we see it. Anyone else? At home, do the same. Father, we pray you'll bless this invitation time, and we thank you, Lord, for, again, as we stated at the very beginning, for your word, your presence, your power, the truth that you have given to us the truth about life's troubles. They are not easy. They are never welcome. But Father, thank you for the truth that we can cast our cares upon you. Thank you for the truth that one day all the troubles will be over. And I pray, God, that in so doing, we will glorify you. The truth that even in and out of our troubles, we can give you glory for your faithfulness and your mercy in the morning. And so, Lord, bless these who have asked for prayer, please. Some folks in this room, I'm sure, Lord, right now who need to be comforted, strengthened. As David said, strengthened. Strengthen them, Lord, please, in Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.